and welcome to Bread and Thread, a podcast about food and domestic history. I'm Liz. And I'm Hazel. We are two friends who studied archaeology together and who love history and making things that are sometimes historically related um, and sometimes are just delicious. And we usually like to start by talking about what we've been making and or baking recently. So how's it been going? It's been going good. I finished the hexagon cardigan. Nice. Then it turned out it needed blocking, so I will be blocking it this weekend. Blocking is fun, like trying to find a place big enough to to lay out the thing. Oh, I do I do it on our bed. I just mm. put down my blocking mats on the bed. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's often like the place where they fit. It's a big flat square. What more do you need, right? Exactly. Um, I don't think I've been doing any... I don't actually know if I've done any cooking. I think Nick's been doing most of the cooking since we last recorded. I have plans, but I haven't done anything. You're doing this division of labour too well. Well, no, normally we both do some, but it's been a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's just a week. Yeah, it is. And uh, sometimes it's just a week for everyone, which seems like what's happening at the moment. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't really done anything um, particularly, like, uh, bake-wise. I did make the rosehip syrup. Um, it's quite nice. It It's quite strange tasting. It's sort of floral and berry at the same time um but yeah I, do like nice. rose hip. I made a nice cocktail called a rosehip fizz which Ooh. was vodka rosehip syrup ras crushed raspberries and uh soda water that does sound nice yeah it was it was probably good um so that was fun and i've been doing a bit of crochet which has been nice. So I'll I'll pop some pictures of that on the Tumblr. It's like the three D crochet where there's like flowers and they like come out of the thing that you're crocheting. It's oh, that's cool. Have you considered um, making um, blood tonic with your rosehip syrup? I haven't. It's it's a Nettlin rosehip cordial, which is my favorite Mister Fitzpatrick's product. Oh. I could give that a go, yeah. I'd have to wait a bit for the nettles now, though, unless I could get some, just just get some nettle cordial. I mean, you can definitely get nettle leaves because there's a lot of places that sell tea sell like big bags of nettle leaves. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, oh, that could be doable. Nice, new <laughs> idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not to give you ideas and schemes. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I never scheme. <laughs> um, although I have been doing a bit of the Halloween costume preparation. Ooh, what so are you dressing as? Well, since last year's couples costume fun went so well, this year we are going as Hades and Persephone. Nice. Which would be fun. So I've, I did a bit, a little, little bit of research on ancient greek like classical era um clothes and it's it's a lot of elaborate draping have you got hold of some like bed sheets or something oh yeah yeah (laughs) that's what's going on um 
I'm going to try and make, make myself a pet plus out of bed sheets. And um, I got a whole bunch of black fabric because I needed it anyway for backing the quilt that I'm making. Um, mm-hmm. But until then, it can be, um, I, I don't know I'm not exactly how, sure how it's pronounced, but it's called a hymation. And it's like a ancient Greek big cloak kind of thing, but it's just a big um, roll of fabric. Um, so about four meters. Um, uh, we'll see how well it does. But I've got myself a pomegranate <laughs> and I'm going to have a little flower crown. Nice. Um, and then Joe, I wanted to give Joe a prop. So I'm going to try and fashion some kind of like little Cerberus out of dissected um, puppy um, toys. There's a long time between puppy and toys. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it is, isn't it? That was bad. <laughs> I'm not I'm not dissecting any actual puppies. Um at least not today. Uh shall, shall we move on? Yes. Um <laughs> to the the happy fun time topic of company towns. Oh, wonderful. This is gonna be way better than puppy dissection. Um right. so <laughs> This is going to be an interesting one, I think, because is this going to be one of the ones where we do an episode on a thing and it's basically yelling about it the whole time, but not in a fun way? Oh, quite possibly once I get to Pullman. Okay, I am straps in and ready to go. A company town. You probably know what a company town is, but if you don't, it's a town that is set up in order to support whatever business is happening. Um, You get a lot of them in the US evolved from mines, logging camps, things like that. In the UK, there's a lot of factory towns. Uh Uh-huh. You've probably heard of uh, Saltaire is probably the most famous one. Bourneville. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's the chocolate um, company. Yeah, that's the Cadbury one. Uh, Port Sunlight. Soap. Yeah, we've we've talked about um the Lever Brothers and their sunlight soap. Mm-hmm. That's that's port sunlight. Okay. So it just it the town is built where the work is, basically. Essentially, yeah. Um but they're they're generally built to be fully self-contained. Mm-hmm. Like the because particularly in the UK, a lot of factories were built basically in the middle of nowhere because it's where the water sources were either for a wheel or for providing water for a steam engine okay that makes sense Um, so like saltaire is on the river air ah okay it's literally just a portmanteau of the factory owner's name and the river that it was built by oh wow so so it's kind of like if your name was Dave and you you lived next to like the Thames and no no there's not a good portmanteau that can be made of that. It um, really isn't. Um <laughs> But no, it really depends. Like some of them are named after someone's name, some of them just have a nice sounding name. 
Mm-hmm. And some of them, it's there was an existing like name for the area, but it wasn't particularly inhabited. Um, I also just want to shout out Long Itchington as the best named model village. That's in Warwickshire. Oh no. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, yeah, that that there was already a little village there. There was a church there in um, the eleventh century, but a a model village was built sort of around that space. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, um, I'm gonna go company towns in general first, and then kind of move into model villages because I think they deserve their own little focus. Okay. Yeah, when you say model village, I uh, it makes me think of um, the scene in Hot Fuzz oh, where yeah. they go to the model village and it's like a tiny village, like a model of a village. But in yeah, this, this case, it's model village is <laughs> in the perfect village, right? Yeah, the other meaning of model, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I don't know, like... Model be- villages, as in miniatures, are fairly idealised. Yeah, I mean, that that was um, the joke in the first place in Hot Fuzz, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that it was a model village. Anyway. <laughs> but yes, um, so the idea of a model village is, uh, a company town, sorry, is you have a lot of people who live nearby who are dependent on you for employment which is particularly useful um, to the point that you could actually pay people in what's called scrip. Ah, is, is that the thing where they don't pay you in money, they give you stuff that you can only spend at stores that are also owned by the company? Correct. That is the company store from the song 16 Tons. Hmm. Um, which is very convenient for the employers because you can end up in what's called debt bondage, oh, which is God. where you owe them more than you're getting. Um, mm. Which also comes up in that song. I sold my soul. I owe my soul to the company store mm. because they older and deeper in debt. <laughs> exactly. It's a good song. Go listen to Sixteen Tons and then come back. <laughs> very good song. <laughs> wow. So so you also, like, you can't save to, I don't know, move somewhere else or exactly. train for another job because you're not getting paid in actual money. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, it's, it's called um, truck wages in legal terms in the UK. Um, right. Yeah, and it was... It was um, quite widely used in factory towns. Um, There was actually a legal case in Manchester in 1827, which is an interesting date. There's, yeah, just a lot of upheaval in workers' rights and general civil, like, civic rights Mm -hmm. in the UK at that point. Um, We're sort of in the period of vote reform and letting people who aren't landowners have the vote um but he's the plaintiff said that he was paid two shillings in nine months and everything else was truck oh wow 
That's that's something that I tend to associate with the US, like the thing about script um, or like company money. Um, I guess because of that image of like I don't know the mining town, like out in the sticks, and uh, they yeah, like all the workers getting paid in that. But um, yeah, no, there there was legislation about truck in the UK as early as seventeen twenty five. Wow, um, and it was largely outlawed in eighteen eighty seven. When it oh, was, right, it was made that um yeah you can't pay people in like food or objects generally you must pay in coin of the realm <laughs> that's that's specific coin of the realm i i guess it's it's so legal language is very specific but also like you can't pay them in some other coin that's secretly worth less or something yeah it's for a reason isn't it you can't just make your own currency and then pay people in that because mm-hmm. I think if there's one thing we've learned about companies yeah apparently it was particularly bad in the hosiery industry to the point that there was a specific hosiery manufacturer brackets wages act oh wow um Although, actually, that doesn't surprise me as much because um, the stocking knitting trade was, like, notoriously one of the most exploited and, like, bad for for workers' conditions. And, in fact, that would make a good episode on, like, um, the early knitting industry. Um, oh, 100%. The knitting frame. But, um, yeah, okay, I, I didn't know that about often being paid in truck, as it were. But in, interestingly, because you said about associating it more with the US, mm-hmm. it lasted a lot longer in the US and was generally more widespread. Because for a long time, there wasn't a standardised, centralised currency. Like, banks would issue their own money, and then if that bank went under, that's it. Your money's not worth anything anymore. Uh-huh. So I... F- it seems like it was a lot easier to argue for it as long as, you know, you ignore the the debt bondage <sighs> company store part of it. Yeah, I mean I suppose from a certain point of view, like But if you, you but if you're never leaving town because you've got your house, your job, your church, what else do you need in the 19th century? Mm. I yeah, like I I guess from that point of view, like kind of like well i guess it's a stable like thing that i'm being paid and all my life is here and also the concept of workers rights is relatively new which brings us to pullman illinois oh okay i feel like i've been hyped up now (laughs) i want to know what happened in pullman illinois so pullman which is now a part of chicago was so like a suburb Yes, um, so Chicago has sort of defined areas. Like, you know how a lot of cities, like London, mm-hmm. it has a lot of areas that used to be their own village or town and now they're part of the same place. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Okay. Um, so Pullman was a company town for Pullman, as in the, the railroad company that made um, train carriages. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it was a fairly standard company town, uh, about 6,000 company employees and their families. That's uh, a lot. It is, it is a lot. Um, had, you know, multiple churches, entertainment venues, a library. Again, just all, all the things you would want in your 19th century town that you never have to leave. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, there was an economic... Um, I don't think I would call it a crash or a depression, but definitely a large economic dip that began in 1893, ah. which meant much less demand for fancy Pullman rail cars. Ah. Oh, gosh, yeah. That is, if all of your town, if your, your whole entire town is dependent on the company, like what? What happens if the company doesn't have any money? What happens in 1893 is you reduce wages and hours, but don't reduce rent. Oh, no. And you get a strike and a boycott where the American Railway Union won't run trains with your carriages. Oh, wow. That is some solidarity. And 125,000 people walk out. Oh. I hadn't thought about that. That's like the other side of the coin, isn't it? Like, I mean, all the workers might be dependent on the company, but it's also the reverse. Like, mm-hmm. if if... Literally all your workers live in the same place. It's quite easy for them to organise stuff. Especially if you've conveniently provided them with venues where they could meet. It's <laughs> um, amazing. So yeah, you get the usual strike-breaking, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, you get a, a statement from... Um, from the president calling Pullman un-American. Wait, calling the company un-American? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised by the amount of backlash there was about this. Yeah, there was an American trade unionist called Eugene Victor Debs who called it plutocracy and arrogant monopoly. Oh, Which... Beautiful wording, Mr. Debs. <laughs> I like that turn of phrase. <laughs> um, so yeah, this does, does lead to what's known as the Pullman lesson. <laughs> you know that you've messed... Which, which, is, which is, maybe don't be so paternalistic and just make a nice place for people to live and try and keep your workers happy and then they won't, you know... Cause massive walkouts in other companies as well in solidarity. <laughs> oh boy. You know you messed up when the, like it, your name is on the the event. Yeah, if your if your name is t- if your name comes up in like economics textbooks, you either did really well or spectacularly badly. 
so, so um, everybody learned from this and um, workers were happy ever after? Quite. A definite improvement. Okay, good. Um, you have, you know, newer um, company towns and planned communities, which were planned a lot more along the lines of keep people happy. Um, there's one in Massachusetts called um, Indian Hill North Village, which was planned as a model village for, if I remember rightly, a grinding company. So, like, making abrasives and things like that. Okay. Which was also really well-timed in terms of getting people to move in because it was during a housing crisis. Oh. I see. That makes it more tempting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But that also brings us quite nicely to model villages in general. Okay. So what's the difference between a company town and a model village? So model villages... We're often company towns, mm -hmm. but not always. But the most famous ones were. Like I mentioned, Salt okay. Airport, Sunlight, Bourneville. Mm -hmm. So these were built often on, at least originally, because the, the concept of a model village goes, it's, goes right back to the 18th century, um, where basically I'm... A very rich man. I own a lot of land. I'm going to build a pretty village on it so I can get rent from it. But it has to look uh, nice. Okay, I see. And and I can be seen to be improving the lives of all of the peasants that live upon my land. Yeah, it, it very much comes back to that whole paternalistic thing. Mm. Which comes up so much in history in this period. Like, if you look at the founding of a lot of early, like, public museums, it's very, like, we must educate the poor and then they will improve themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really come under our remit, but I wrote an essay about it in my master's and I'm still angry. <laughs> but once you get a lot more of these, like I said, these factories basically in the middle of nowhere start taking concepts from these where the workers will be happier if they have nicer houses rather than just back-to-back -back slumps. Wow. Um, like There was near Barnsley in Yorkshire, there's one where the houses all had four rooms and a garden and a pigsty. Honestly, that is pretty good. Yeah, like, if you... Go back into the into the past and move our bathroom outside. That's basically my house. Mm. All rooms and little side space, room for a pig. Mm -hmm. In today's economy, that actually sounds great. Yeah, and it's I guess with the pigsty as well. Like it's got everything you need. I mean, like I mentioned in the luck rise candle episode, like mm -hmm. that's a common way of like supplementing your food. And you, you find um you find these places built in 
a lot of the sort of industrial areas of Britain. Like you get ones in Essex, you get a lot in the north. Uh, there's ones in yeah, Bourneville is in the Midlands. There's uh, Aintree in Merseyside was a model village built by the jam company Hartley's. Oh, I wasn't expecting that one. Um, you you may remember when we lived in York, there was New Earswick. That was a round tr- a round trees model village. Oh yes. Um, I'm I'm not going to list all of them. Don't worry. I'm just making it clear how common these were, and you get them elsewhere as well. Um, there's one called uh, Zlin in the Czech Republic. There's ones in Germany, Italy. Um, there were some that were set up. Um, Pretty much everywhere you had company towns, you're going to find some model villages as well. Mm-hmm. And you get it as part of as well. There was this, um, there was a movement called the Garden City Movement, where people would generally have more green space, which is why you have so many parks in places like Manchester, Newcastle, these like industrial hubs. Because someone figured out that if you let your your workers have time away from the factory and their houses and the pubs where they can just go and be outside, they're happier and healthier. Who'd have thunk? Oh. And naturally, it also reduces immorality. Oh, naturally. <laughs> um, I mean, you have Bourneville... Um, was built by Cadbury, which was Quaker-owned, and mm-hmm. actually still doesn't have a pub. Oh, wow. There's one place which they has an... Is it called an on-license, if the shops are an off-license? But there's a place that okay. has a license to serve alcohol, mm-hmm. but it's not a pub. But it's not a pub. Interesting. It's not a pub. <laughs> um, I have this in my notes. Yes, there's a licensed members bar, members bar at um, Roheath Pavilion. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no pubs. <laughs> well, you know, pubs are very common, but a private members bar. Yeah, that's, that's more recent. That's uh, 40s. Okay. <laughs> at some point in the 40s, somebody went, where can I get a drink in this town? Basically. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it myself. But uh, one big feature of these model villages was trying to, uh, like I was saying, introduce culture with a capital C. So you have the Lady Lever Art Gallery, which was built by the first Viscount Leverhulme, one of the Lever brothers, um, and named after his wife. It is very nice. And it is, like I say, it's it's a well-known... Art gallery. It's part of National Museum's Liverpool. It's a big sort of neoclassical structure, mm-hmm. as you would expect for the time, um, and was opened by the youngest daughter of Queen Victoria in 1922. Huh. So you you still have this very paternalistic thing that um, that Pullman was criticised for, but mm-hmm. more a father that kind of towards things that are good for you rather than a strict disciplinarian kind of father I suppose uh, yeah okay so like it's it's like a daddy knows best situation yeah as opposed to obey your father <laughs> yeah 
like oh you'll be so much happier if you just uh just subscribe to the morals that i have set out for you just go go to the park and ignore the fact we don't have any pubs it's fine it's normal healthy <laughs> I, to be fair um port sunlight does have a pub at least that's something i'm just i'm just not over boardville just fully not having one still in 2023 <laughs> i yeah that's impressive i mean i know we're losing pubs but like you would have thought at some point in a town where there's never been one somebody at some point would go like hey <laughs> Yeah, I would be curious. I couldn't find out because I did look. I would be curious to know whether it has a particularly high Quaker population. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so more recently, um, there were cities of essentially nuclear scientists um, known as Atomgrad in Eastern Europe. Um, there's one in, well, there's a few in Ukraine, actually. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, like the they're still happening, and obviously more recently there's been as well. There was um, there was the failed company town that Disney tried to set up. Oh, um, yeah, it's it's called Celebration. Okay. Yeah, the it was built in um, the nineties as kind of a home for Disney employees. Although in 2016, there was a civil suit because basically everything was horribly made and there was mould. Oh, who'd have thunk it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, presumably that's still a profit-making enterprise for Disney, right? So, uh... I mean, it's real estate. Mm. Oh my goodness. Like, clearly they didn't learn the uh, Paulson lesson. Yeah, the Pullman lesson. The Pullman lesson. There's been a lot of names this episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> like, very recently, as in, in the last few years, there's also people have drawn comparisons between company towns and tech campuses. Yeah, wasn't there something about Silicon Valley having essentially company towns? Yeah, um, I can't remember who it was now, but there was some tech person was even talking about like bringing back a special corporate currency, and it's like, my dude, that's script. Mm. That's that's script. Nothing new <laughs> under the sun. <laughs> We've been here. <laughs> yeah, I find that um, that seems to happen. Um, relatively frequently in the tech industry like something being oh, like well, we reinvent something bad yeah this amazing like new concept that we've created and it's like that <laughs> that was outlawed in the 19th century for being bad yeah there's also snailbrook texas established 2021 snailbrook snailbrook what? as of April of this year had a population of 12 and is okay. Elon Musk's Tesla company town. Oh dear. So that's gonna go well. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, they are they are very much still happening. Seems so like that's... not particularly successfully from that. Yeah, so that that is company towns and 
model and not so model villages. Wow. <laughs> Capitalism. I I find it really interesting that a lot of them have lived on much longer than the company actually did. Um Yeah, I guess that you you get to a point where it's just a town where a lot of people work in the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, if it survives that company either going under or you know all of the all of the things that can happen that mean people don't have jobs anymore mm-hmm. people potentially end up getting new jobs like some um some british ones have become basically commuter towns where people live there and work somewhere else because now we have cars yeah yeah, I isn't Saltaire now like a really considered a really pretty like touristy sort of town. Yeah, um I believe Pullman has been um yeah, people have talked about Pullman being gentrified as well. Oh, wow. So like if if they survive they just become like any other real estate, I guess. Yeah. I kind of like that in the sense of, like, turns out the company couldn't control it in the end. Because you can't stop people, like, eventually making places their own. Yep. Which I quite like. Like, people are are such people. You know? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um... Which is usually our conclusion on this podcast, and I like it. Yeah. Um, oh, that that was illuminating, and also now I'm really annoyed at companies. I mean, it's 2023. That's probably a good state of being. <laughs> yeah, not that, not that I wasn't already. <laughs> RPG ideas should be good, right? But what this podcast supposes is maybe they don't have to be. The Probably Bad Podcast brings you ideas like dire humans, fight your GM in real life, and what if there is an eye laser man? Listen to The Probably Bad Podcast, available everywhere podcasts exist, and some places where they don't. I do have a food that one might have eaten in a company town. Oh. If you would like to hear about that. Um, So the local larder today is something that you might have eaten in one of those stereotypical like rugged early company towns based on like mining or logging um and it's called a johnny cake i have heard of johnny cakes uh now i saw this mentioned in company towns of the pacific northwest um and yeah so it's quite a classic like early american food i think mm-hmm. and it's basically a corn flatbread i mean i can um, i can get into that yeah um i've actually never eaten cornbread i think Love which cornbread. is I, do, I really want it sounds really nice um we just don't make that many things out of sweet corn over here we and we really should um but uh yeah so it i guess essentially like a a thick pancake sort of a thing but made with cornmeal 
um, and could have lots of other things added to it based on like where you were, what influences you had. Um, so this originally came out of Native American cuisine, um, the ground corn being a staple ingredient in that. Um, and so because of that, they were they're recorded as being made from quite early on um, in the colonial history of America. Um, so they're referred to from the 18th century. Um, in South Carolina, there's a reference to a Johnny Cake. Um, they also can be known as Journey Cake, Johnny Bread, Hoe Cake, um, which apparently doesn't have anything to do with garden hoes, although there is controversy. Um, but it's to do with the kind of pan that it was cooked in. Um, and spider cornbread, which is cute. Yeah. Um, and it's also eaten across the Caribbean um, as well as uh, mainland North America. So, so not particularly local. No, well, it just depends how local you're going, but um, it's certainly not not local to here. <laughs> um, so something that's that's kind of a staple that is known by many things based on where you are, basically, and can be a little different based on where you are. Um, apparently it might go back originally to the dialect word Janik from Northern England. What, what does that mean? I've not heard that. Um, I, th I think it's just, you know, like a bannock, like a small oh, yeah. bread. Yeah, I think it's that kind of thing. One of the many words for a small bread. There are just so many. There's so many small breads, you guys. And so many kinds of small bread. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, looking into it a little bit more, it is a small kind of bread from Northern England, but it actually means, like, genuine or straightforward but it was applied to these little breads so they're like it's it basically like it's just bread what do you want it's bread <laughs> it's, it's, it's bread <laughs> eat it or don't it's bread <laughs> nothing more nothing less <laughs> genuine like we've come up with some marketing slogans here <laughs> um so yeah, that, that's going in a bit of a deep dive, but that's potentially the origin of the word Johnny Cake. Nice. It's, it's just cornbread. Just bread. It's, again, it's just bread. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the spider cornbread thing comes from a kind of cooking pan as well. So just like depending on what you've got to hand. Um, they're an unleavened... Um, bread, cake, so cornmeal, salt, water, um, 
different kind of things can be added. Rice flour might be added, um, cassava. Um, they can also use leavening as well in some cases. Oh. Um, yeah, might have like eggs or butter added. They can have sweet toppings on them as well as being eaten with savoury foods. Um, so yeah, just like a really versatile staple um, using what you've got to hand. And because they're just cooked like in a pan, in a skillet or a griddle, um, they are, they were a staple of these early company towns as well because they would have like the main cookhouse um and these were cheap and easy to turn out um apparently often burned um but but yeah that that is basically it and i just thought it was interesting because it's something i've not heard of before um but also because sometimes the staples have an interesting history too i do so if you want to support us so you can get more interesting history you can go to patreon.com slash bread and thread where you can also get monthly recipes you can also find us on tumblr um again bread and thread where you will see teasers for upcoming episodes pictures of things that we talk about on the podcast or that we might be making and we reblog things that are relevant to stuff we talk about on the podcast and if you want to suggest an episode you can message us on there or you can email breadandthreadpodcast at gmail.com so thank you for listening and we will see you next time